Welcome to the LYA Podcast. This is a place for authentic discussion for young adults. We want to provide a commentary backed by God's Word to help you thrive in your 20-something years. Let's dive into this week's discussion. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the LYA Podcast. My name's David. We are live in the studio in the big Hampton, Virginia, founded in like the 17th century. Yeah. It is the place to be. Debatable. I am joined. (laughs) Depends on what part of Hampton. Facts. By LYA's two favorite co-hosts when it comes to the podcast. Ironically, the only two co-hosts. My name is Chase. I'm Gabby. And we are super pumped to be talking about what we're going to talk about today. We're so excited. But before that, before we started recording, you guys have to know this. Gabby was explaining how she got so good at typing. Yeah. So I'm very, (laughs) I can't do this seriously. I'm very fast at typing. And people at work are always like, how do you type so fast? And I tell them it's because of a little game on the computer that I played in fourth grade Whereas these robots and they would get put in jail by this bad guy and you had to help them escape by like typing really fast little codes. And there was all these like mini games within a game. So one of them was this robot would rock climb and you would have to like type the combo for the next like foothold for him to go to place his hand on. One of them was skateboarding. And then they had the test. Yeah. They had the test where it would just be a bunch of random words strung together and you would have to type it as fast as you can. But it was so Man. confusing because the sentences didn't make logical sense. And so you'd get distracted by how illogical it was. But they did that so that you would be good at typing and not focus on what you're actually So you're writing. saying you'd get a sentence like toast potato No, podcast, literally, yeah. Mashed potatoes. It would just be like random words. And I would be sitting there like, this doesn't make sense. And then I would stop typing and then I'm like, no, my score. And so I got really good at typing. So you were ultra competitive with yourself on a typing yeah, video I'm game. I'm extremely in the competitive in general, and it all began with typing. No, I'm just kidding. It probably began before then. But. That's amazing. And I learned how to type in the public school system in sixth grade. I had to take a class called keyboarding, nice. uh, which I should have taken earlier, also probably in the fourth grade, but I was still taking cursive. Oh, cursive is good. Wait, that was a class? It was it was a part of our class. Part of the class. That's like okay. needed though for your brain development. It really helps. Yeah, I was homeschooled all the way through, and one of the things. Why did you say that like it was a confession? It's not a bad thing, Chase. You're like, I just need to confess. I was homeschooled. <laughs> just need to let y'all know. We forgive you for that. I don't. I don't know. Like, I feel when it comes to like explaining my childhood, like. At some point, that has to come into play because, like, I was not part of any, like, actual school system. I was homeschooled the whole way through. Chase. Yeah. We don't have time to go into your entire childhood or for you to confess your entire childhood to the podcast listeners. Okay. We'll do that for another podcast where it's just the Chase confessionals. Can be a little special bonus episode. (laughs) Chase, why (laughs) why don't you tell us what we're actually talking about today? So today, we are going to talk about how to read your Bible Mm. and all that means. To read your Bible. Yes. So you're saying it's not just as easy as I just flip it open and read it? Uh, No. There's multiple little things to consider when reading your Bible. Gabby, I know you're super excited to talk about this topic, so why don't you lead us off? I love reading because I learned 
when I was in college how to properly study the Bible and it opened my mind to how I was doing it wrong all those years. Um, I think though if we're going to start with something we need to learn and kind of re-shift our focus on what the Bible is and what it isn't. The Bible is not primarily about us Um, and I think that's going to majorly influence the way that we come to scripture because I think in today's culture it's very easy for us to open scripture and say okay what is this going to tell me about me? How is this story going to relate to my situation? Like, what should I do? Um, We can look to it and just have this very, like, egocentric um, mentality of this is about me, 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 and I need to feel something from this. Like, I need to feel happy and uplifted. I'm having a bad day, so I'm going to read scripture. When in reality, the Bible is primarily a story about the Lord. Like, the Bible is telling us who God is. It's revealing characteristics and attributes of Him. It's revealing His heart and His plan when he created the world, it's one giant story about God's plan and it all shows us who he is in it. And yes, we do learn um, about who we are, but it's always in light of scripture and it's always first coming from who the Lord is. So I think that's going to be a huge shift when you're coming to scripture is like, how are you viewing it? Are you viewing it as this magic eight ball of like, I need an answer. Let me open it up to a random passage. Ah, lamentations. What does this mean? Yeah. Um, or are you like saying like, oh, I'm anxious. I'm going to get like a little scripture verse if I know Philippians 4, 6 is be anxious for nothing. So I'm going to like get this and kind of take it almost like a pill of like, ah, one Philippians 4. Oh, I said 4, 13. Oh, guys, that was a wrong reference. Oof. It's 4, 6. Um, good. But is that like a pill of like, oh, now I'm going to feel better when in reality, like scripture is not there to make us feel good. It's there to reveal to us who the Lord is. Yeah, I think like at least when you start to like develop the habit, which I am still in the process of of developing a good habit of reading scripture first thing in the morning. I'm still working on it, guys. But for me, I personally feel like when I first started, I expected a magical moment to happen almost every time I read it at like six or five something in the morning. And I'm like, nothing's happening. Angels aren't ascending like, Nothing magical is happening you didn't right wrestle now. Wrestle with the Lord. No, like my nothing, savior. nothing super spiritual, or crazy would happen in that time. But I don't know. I feel like that's kind of the attitude like most people have when they mm-hmm. first like start going into it. Is that I'm going to get something exponentially greater mm-hmm. out of doing this and putting God first immediately. Yes, it's that instant gratification of yeah. Okay, Lord, I read your word make me feel great. Oh yeah, that that's the word I was looking for. Instant gratification. And it's like we don't think about hardly anything else yeah. I feel like in life about that, you know. Yeah. Like you don't go to the gym and do 10 sit-ups and you're like, "All right, I got abs now." <laughs> I wish it was like that. I <laughs> wish. Yeah, if it was if it was only that easy, but it's funny we do think about scripture that way. Mm-hmm. And I think about when I was growing up, uh, I heard a lot of stories of people saying things um for example, they would open they would say you know, they'd be given like a testimony and be like, yeah, I just, I picked up my Bible and I just opened it to some page and I just read the first verse and I just, you know, felt like that was what God had for me and that was what I was supposed to do. And, you know, that sounds kind of cool. It sounds kind of mystical, you mm-hmm. know, kind of like yeah. you're talking about, you know, like there's this great sovereignty moment in that. And at that particular moment, that particular instance in time, we opened up the Bible and that was God's word for us. And then as I got older and continued to read scripture and continued to, you know, learn more about different parts of what is happening at each portion or at each crossroads or segment of um, kind of the story of Israel, 
and ultimately into Jesus and the church and the apostles and the disciples and on on it goes. Mm-hmm. How kind of scary that could be mm-hmm. at some points. Like I just yeah. imagine like opening up to some different points yes! of the Old Testament and just being like, whoa, like that's God's message for me yeah. right there. Like a great example I always think of is like Jeremiah 13, 1, which literally Jeremiah 13, 1 and the New Living Translation says, uh, then the Lord said to Jeremiah, go put on a linen loincloth and do not wash it. And it's like, all right. The way so, that's the, so, that's yeah, the extent that's, of the verse. That's the verse. Uh, that's it, it goes on. It goes on. So you, oh, so I'm just imagining, you know, if you just kind of randomly open right. up and then mm-hmm. take a stab and that's it, you're like, walk away. Like God does not want me <laughs> to wash my underwear. <laughs> that's not the Lord talking. Please wash your underwear. <laughs> The but Lord's literally, not tell you not to be clean. When you <laughs> when you read it in the context and you understand what's going on, mm-hmm. you know Jeremiah is called a weeping prophet because no matter what he did, the people didn't listen uh, to the message that God had given him. Yeah. So he had to do all these weird things uh, that God asked him to do uh, in order to show Israel where they were at morally, where they were at spiritually, uh, and ultimately what was going to happen if they did not turn back to God. And this is an instance of one of those weird things that Jeremiah had to do. Yeah. Uh, and he literally has to take the loincloth off. And I, I hope that he replaced it with another one. I would assume that he would. Uh, but he, like, holds it up in front of the people, and he's like, this is what we look like to God. Like, <laughs> we, look like, we look like dirty underwear compared to him. Not wrong. <laughs> yeah, so many people probably just swiped out of this podcast. No, that's very interesting. Just based they off wouldn't. that one story. <laughs> no, no, but I think a that's a perfect story. example of the Bible is a book. And we don't open yeah. any it's other book. books. Yeah, it's like a collection of books, but within a book telling one big story. So it's like you don't open up any other book and be like, ah, I'm going to open to this random page and start reading and hope that I understand everything. It's like you need context. You need to understand the arc of scripture in general. And then you need to understand where you are, what kind of category of book you're in. Like, are you in a history book? Are you in a wisdom or literature book? Are you in one of Paul's epistles? Like, what are you in so that you can understand it? Because otherwise you come across stuff like that and you're like, well, okay. Yeah. One example I always like to use is, you know, if you started watching Star Wars and you tuned in right at the end of Star Wars episode three and Darth Vader is there. You're like, well, I guess that's this is it. Like, Darth Vader wins. That's the end of it. And it's like, no, that's what episodes four, five, and six unfold into is Darth Vader's ultimate downfall. Like, you can't just zoom in in the middle of the story and expect mm-hmm. to know everything that yeah. is going on. Yeah. You actually used the word that we're all kind of hopping around, but context. <laughs> it's key. Context is key. For, for most things in life, actually, any kind of conversation you have, I feel like, especially with scripture, though, there's so much history and things like that when you're going through that you really have to understand. Me and my small group are doing like a big study through Acts right now. And uh, just the ability to really like take the few minutes extra and study like, okay, so this is the people group. What did they do? What's the importance of them? Just little things like that can meet a world of difference for how you interpret and read the scriptures. The one thing I think in particular, I think it was in either Acts 17 or 18, but he goes amongst this people group that's extremely scholarly. I think it was uh, 
Athenians, maybe something along those lines. I'm trying to think specifically. Um, and all of the people. You're talking about Paul on Mars Hill. Yeah. Areopagus. Yeah. That's that Act 17. That's Act 17. Okay, cool. I think. Is that when the guy falls out of the window? Uh, nope. No, oh. not that one. But the people question him, and and they take him to this big, massive, open area, and he goes into a defense of the scripture. But it's extremely unlike anything that he's ever done before when you read through the book of Acts. Because most of the time, he comes from a Jewish descent. He was a Pharisee. So he usually spouts scripture left and right at people. But when he was doing this, he gave them more generalized, basic, think-about-it-yourself kind of facts. And that's because when you look at the history of those people, that was one of the arguably the most scholarly areas of the time. And literally what he was in wasn't like a judgment council. It was a council for people to bring ideas and thought processes to a council of like the most learned individual so that way they can try to establish a truth or not. So he approached it in a completely different way because he understood kind of the context of who he was going at. He was able to talk to them. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, a great example of, hey, when we kind of start to look at uh, the historical context of what's happening in Scripture, uh, it can help us better understand what God is trying to communicate for us. But I think it would be helpful at this point just to pull off and say, like, well, what is the Bible? And just like Gabby hinted at, you know, it's uh, it's a collection of books. It's actually 66 books. It's broken into the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, it was written by over 40 different authors and three different languages. Primarily the Old Testament is Hebrew. Primarily the New Testament is Greek. And there are some small sections of Aramaic. It was written over the course of thousands of years, starting all the way in the first five books of the Bible, which is called the Torah uh, or the Pentateuch, um, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Um, and that is pretty much what the people in the Old Testament kind of had as their quote-unquote Bible. Um, you might hear, hear it referred to in Scripture as the Law of Moses um, is a popular topic that you will hear people talk about throughout the story of Scripture. But uh, what the Old Testament does is it basically carries us all the way from creation in Genesis to the flood to uh, the Israelites being taken in captivity into Egypt, to them being led out of Egypt uh, by Moses, to them wandering in the wilderness, them fighting some wars, being led by Joshua. Then after Joshua, they're led by judges for a while. And then after the judges, they want a king. And then you enter into the age of the kings. So you have, you know, guys like David and then Solomon. And then they go through a long, long time of not having a good king at all. And these are where the prophets are jumping in and out. Um, you know, your major prophets, your minor prophets, and... Uh, I just pictured a bunch of prophets, like, literally jumping, jumping into in and cities out. Yeah. and out of cities. <laughs> hey, stop. Like, yeah. Hey, stop. <laughs> They're, like, bouncing. I don't know why. <laughs> they just roll up real quick. Y'all need to stop and then just roll out. <laughs> also, before we started recording, we were literally talking about how, in another life, Gabby was just an extra for VeggieTales. Yeah. Like, <laughs> while the other main characters were carrying out their various <laughs> vocations... Gabby was like one of the peas marching around Jericho going, yeah. <laughs> I could see myself as a veggie in VeggieTales, so you're not far off. Except I want to be spinach. 
Why would you want to be spinach? It's my favorite vegetable. I love spinach. Okay, fair play. Yeah, so then Israel gets taken into captivity by Babylon because they don't um they don't listen essentially, uh, which leads them into a period of captivity. There's a lot of stories in books in the Old Testament about that. And then eventually they exit um captivity and that is what's called the post-exilic which means post-exile exilic comes from the word exile they're in the post-exile period and then they go back and they rebuild the temple um and the problem is is the temple's never really quite like it used to be and they kind of go into some different problems and the reason i say it's not like it used to be and literally this is the point that scripture's trying to make is the glory and the presence of god doesn't fully return or completely return to the temple uh, which is kind of how the Old Testament draws to a close in Malachi is they're waiting for this deliverer to come who's going to reestablish the nation of Israel. He's going to reestablish the kingdom, and he's going to be the king that David couldn't be, that Solomon couldn't be, the rest of the kings couldn't be. He's going to be the priest. He's going to be the ultimate prophet that's finally going to set the record straight. And then there's a period of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament, um, called the intertestamental period, where we don't God doesn't speak through any prophets, um, and historically, what happens is there's um, some fighting amongst the Jewish people. Uh, there's some civil wars, some civil disputes that happen uh, in the Palestine area, area, and then uh, Rome comes in, takes over. Some problems with that that they have, uh, but ultimately it kind of feels like they are taken back in captivity again. The New Testament picks up with the announcement of the birth of John the Baptist. Then John the Baptist is born, and he is the forerunner for Jesus. Begins announcing that Jesus is coming. Jesus comes. He carries out his his earthly ministry. He's ultimately crucified, buried. He rises again, and then the disciples disperse, which is what the book of Acts is about, is everything that basically happened after Jesus died, all the way up until pretty much the end of Paul's life. And then all of the things that kind of come after Acts in your New Testament are Paul's letters and various disciples' letters that they're writing to various people living all around the Mediterranean basis, basin, which is just the country surrounding the Mediterranean Sea. You can still look those up on your Google Maps today or MapQuest Map if you're Quest. Gabby. Oh, MapQuest. And it draws to a close with Revelation, which gives us a sneak peek to how all this stuff ends in the end. So... That's the short and the long of what the Bible is. So if someone's going to ask us, hey, you know, where do I start? If it's a collection of books, you know, do I have to start in Genesis? Can I pick up somewhere in the middle? Do I start in the New Testament? Do I start in the Old Testament? And how am I supposed to read this? What, what do you guys say? So the way I find myself to read the Bible and study the Bible the best when I first really started digging into the Word was I started with a book that was recommended to me to start with by several people, and that was the book of Romans. And the reason they recommended it is just because this has, the reason they said it was such a good book to start with, and it is, is because it gives such a good overarching truth amongst many different things. So it kind of gives like a good basis of like overarch, here's kind of a bunch of different points to keep in mind and work through. And with that, it kind of would spark interest and to be like, okay, well, where is this else in Scripture that he's referencing, or where does this lead to? So I think that's an interesting book to start with. Um, Other people that I've talked to also recommend going through the Gospels 
just to understand the life of Jesus since that's who came to die for us and we ask for forgiveness for our sins and repent through that. So that was another point. Um, I personally also think, though, that you have to understand the basics, like the very beginning to understand what happens later on. So I would also say if you're starting for the first time, do some reading in Genesis, like a chapter or two in Genesis and a chapter or two in, in a New Testament book that you want to study as well if you're starting to study. Yeah, I have always heard that the book of John is um, a good one. Well, I've heard, I've read it too. Um, but it's, <laughs> I mean, it sounds she's like heard, but she's never read the knowledge. book of John ever. Yeah, I've heard, I have no idea. No, sorry. The, ten for ten would recommend the Gospel of John. <laughs> it's a great book. Um, John is good because it gives you kind of a light on Jesus's life. Um, I think too, if you're going to start with uh, one of the letters. The book of James has a lot of practical truths of just how to implement the Christian life, kind of how to walk with the Lord. Um, Love the book of James. It's one a, of my favorites. It's a good one. I got really, um, I just lost the word. I was going to say a story, but then it doesn't, it, I'm just going to not say it. Um, anyway. <laughs> nice little aside there. Yeah. Keep thanks. going. Um, but I think more importantly than necessarily where you start is understanding the place that the book that you're about to start has in that arc of scripture. Like David just gave like a brief overview of the entire line and theme of the, like the timeline of the Bible. And it's important to know where you're at because if you're reading one of the books that is still in the King, the period of having Kings and you're thinking, Oh, well they're in exile now. Like that's going to mess up your timeline. You need to kind of know what's going on. I think it's important to look at a little bit of the context of the book. Like who was it written by? Who was it written to? Why was it written? Um, like what's the purpose? Because every author has an intent and a purpose of why they're writing this. Um, and it's important to know the base, that basis. So you can then come in with the correct lens and context of, okay, this is what's going on. This is who wrote it. And this is why the Lord is giving them these words. Yeah, I think one great resource to have if y'all haven't looked at it, again, as always, not a sponsor, but I'm going to throw out something, um, The Bible Project. Yeah. That is a fantastic, absolutely fantastic resource because they're in, what, like five to 15 minute videos at the most, mm -hmm. and it gives just an overview of here's what's happening in the book. Like, it gives you a little history of what's going on before and tells you a general outline of what you're going to read and then how things are going to conclude and transition to the next portion. And I think it's just an absolutely fantastic resource. So if you want to pick up and study, like, I don't know much about the book of Judges. I need to study more on it. Watch that. It gives you an overview of here's how this book lays out and here's kind of the foundation for it. And I think it's a fantastic resource. Yeah, I can't give the Bible Project big enough ups. It is a fantastic resource. It's a huge library of resources, mm -hmm. but it's uh, categorized and organized very well. It's not mm -hmm. hard to find um, anything on there. It's a totally free resource. Mm -hmm. uh, they are they are great. Um, so yeah, if I was just going to pick up and start studying, you can pick up in Genesis and start reading. Um, you can pick up in the Gospel of John. John starts in the beginning uh, of history in John chapter 1. Um, John goes into that. But a lot of Scripture, kind of like Chase said, is trying to unfold the mess that's made and the opening chapters mm -hmm. of it um, is so interesting. And I think it's important um, wherever you read, like Gabby said, we're, we're going to consider our historical context. we got to consider our literary context, mm -hmm. where we're at in Scripture. 
not all of scripture is prescriptive mm-hmm. in the in the nature that it is prescribing and is telling you you should do this. Yeah. A lot of times scripture is describing what's going on, especially in things that are considered uh, narratives, which is just a historical narrative. It's just telling you the history of what's going on. So things will happen, especially in the age of the kings uh, or in a lot of parts of scripture, and really bad evil things are happening. And people who are supposed to be leaders and supposed to be kings, who are supposed to be doing good, don't do good things. And scripture doesn't shy away from that. It tells you what's going on, but it's not saying that in order to endorse their behavior Mm -hmm. or to tell you to do that in 2019. But instead, it's just letting you know, hey, this is what's going on. And as you continue to read, you'll see how these bad choices unfold poorly, not only for them, but for the people they're supposed to be leading Mm -hmm. and the nation as a whole. Um, So, yeah, I think those are all uh, great, great, great places to start and I think what it comes down to is I think we can become intimidated by reading scripture because it's like man I don't know where to start and like sometimes I read it and it's hard and it's confusing yeah so I would say hey this is all you need to start reading the Bible one you need a place you need a place to read it yeah you need a time you need a time of the day that you want to read it Chase talked earlier about how you know he's trying to build that morning devotion time and um, we were kind of talking about that a little bit too, of just, you know, there's something about just reading scripture in the beginning of the day before yeah. you've had your distractions of the world kind of hit you before you're, you know, you've gotten tired from working all day or whatever it is you're doing all day. That's just special. So you need a place, you need a time, you need a plan, mm-hmm. you know, how am I going to do this? And I wouldn't recommend, you know, Hey, I'm going to read 10 chapters in Jeremiah today. And then. I'm going to flip over and read the first half of Hebrews and the New Testament. Now I'm going to go all the way back to Psalms. I'll pick up in like Psalms 49. some Revelation there too while you're at it. Yeah. We'll sprinkle in like two verses of Revelation because there's so much. You can only take them in small doses. Only in small doses. (laughs) Small dose only. Yeah. You you need a plan. And I mean, there are oodles of Bible reading plans out there. Oodles. If you want to read the whole Bible in one year, you can. Um I don't think I actually have ever done the one-year Bible. I'm, Am I allowed to say that out loud since I'm I a pastor? I haven't either. Absolutely not. I will throw that. in a plug. I'm just kidding. I, for the first time, am reading through the Bible chronologically. I've never done that before. And I'm using an app called Read Read Scripture or Read Scripture. And it partners with the Bible Project. So it tells okay. you, like it has different videos. And it's been really interesting to give you the background and the historical context. But I will throw in a plug here. It is so important when we are building Bible literacy and studying the Bible to actually read the Bible for yourself and not use a devotional. There's nothing wrong with devotionals. They have their place in their time. But if you're sitting here saying, I want to read the Bible, then you should be reading the Bible firsthand and not getting that knowledge secondhand. Like people have wisdom and I, I mean, I use devotionals, but I use them alongside my Bible reading plan of saying, okay, I want to be able to love the Lord with my heart, soul, mind, and strength, not this person's heart, soul, mind, and strength, which they're giving me their wisdom. You need to be able to encounter that for yourself and have that um, and not your knowledge. All of your knowledge come from secondhand wisdom. Yeah. Like even when I was uh, getting ready to get married, I read through a bunch of different uh, books that mentors and pastor recommended me read. And while it was great to read those, there's only so much you're going to be able to get from a book. Because you then have that person's ideas and thought processes. And while it's great for parts where it's like I'm interested and I want to learn more to go to reputable and uh, well-versed people that are 
sound in scripture and read their thoughts and ideas on it. You also have to develop thoughts and ideas yourself. You know, there's going to be points in your life where you're not, there's not going to be a book for the thing you need unless you read like every single book out there. And then you're reading opinions of the Bible and you're not reading the Bible. Yeah. It's also too like scripture um, in mm, first or second Timothy. I can never remember which one, but it says all scriptures, God breathed. It's given by the inspiration of God. And then in Hebrews, it talks about the word of God being living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Yeah. And it's like they're scripture is infused with God's breath. Like that is God speaking. And I know a lot of people are like, Oh God just doesn't speak to me. Like, no, he does. And it's in your word. Like we have to go to that though. And so it's not the same. The Lord can use other people and give them wisdom and yeah, insight. And I love sure. reading other people's books, but we should not be using that like in place of scripture. Um, Cause we have a direct source to God. Like that is God's words to us. Yeah. Those people's books that you're reading, they're reading from the same Bible you have. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, one way I like to think about it is it's uh, it's supplementary. Yes. Yeah. So in nutrition, That's you take uh, supplements yeah. um, in order to supplement your diet. Mm-hmm. So you take vitamins, or you might take a you know a whey protein mix or uh, BCAAs or something like that in order to supplement what you are already eating. So it won't actually do you any good to just mm-hmm. drink a bunch of shakes and take a bunch of vitamins if you're not already eating correctly. Like yeah. you can't just like, you know pound a bunch of multivitamins and then Call go the to Chick-fil-A and eat two chicken sandwiches and two orders of walls. Spinach. Yeah. You two orders it. of waffle Ooh. fries and be like, oh, everything's good. <laughs> you know, you can't do that. No, that's not how it works. That's not how nutrition works. So what you're saying is the Bible is a very healthy main course. And then these other books Our side are the snacks. supplements. I feel like you just kind of trash my illustration right there. <laughs> No, I think that was a really great illustration. That's a word that I was looking for but couldn't think of is supplementary because they're good and they're needed, but not in place of the main. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, I love to read C.S. Lewis. I love to read Luther. I love to read um, a lot of different guys Mm -hmm. uh, because it helps me get perspective. Yeah. But again, you know, if anyone has the Holy Spirit within them in Corinthians says, Paul says this to the Corinthians is, hey, the Holy Spirit is the ultimate guider Mm -hmm. and the instructor. And I think that that's how that passage works out practically that you mentioned in Hebrews about God's word is living and active. Like, man, that's how like the Holy Spirit can speak into you Mm -hmm. is when you're communing in that word in your word and, uh, or in God's word, your copy of God's word Mm -hmm. and the Holy Spirit speaks and teaches you into, you know, what situation you're in because God does see you Mm -hmm. and your circumstances Mm -hmm. you're in. God does see you in those situations. And it, it, it's amazing how when we're reading these things and we're reading these stories, there are things that God has preserved for thousands of years that help us see a side of human nature and help us see the universe that we live in and the world that we live in and why things are the way they are and how God works in these situations and how God continues to speak through believers. So, hey, I would just say wherever you're at, you know, wherever you want to start reading scripture, you know, the first thing I feel like you have to do is you got to look at the context, as we've already mentioned, mm-hmm. historically, yeah. Uh, and there's litter. resources online too, just to plug in. Cause I think yeah. sometimes I know for me, it was overwhelming when I first started of like, where do I go to? But there are commentaries, resources, Bible project. Yeah. That in. yeah. Yeah. So you look at, you know, the context and then you look at, Hey, what's going on with whoever the particular audience is, um, that's hearing this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what would it have meant to the people mm-hmm. who heard it for the first time? Uh, thousands of years ago because if you draw a conclusion about what it means that wouldn't have made sense to them that's the wrong conclusion yeah. so you look at hey what would this would have meant 
meant to them. And then you consider like, all right, where am I at in the course of history? Where am I at in the world? And you put both of those things together and then you draw, okay, what is the eternal principle that God was trying to teach them and is trying to teach me now? And again, you know, we've talked a lot about context and we've mentioned some great resources already. And I just feel like in 2019, if you have access to a smartphone, if you have access to the internet, which everybody should, um, like we don't have a great excuse yeah. to not know. There are things like Blue Letter Bible yes, is I a really one. good one. Uh, we've already talked about the Bible Project. In fact, you can just go out and buy a study Bible, yeah. like an yeah. ESV study Bible is 10, a good 10 one. 10 recommend. And there's good study notes at mm-hmm. the bottom. Literally, you're like, I don't really know what's going on in this verse. You just peek down to the bottom of the page, find Ta-da. the corresponding note, and it helps you understand that. Um, translations, sometimes people, what people get into. I really don't feel like you can go wrong with any of your, your mainline ones. I think you just need to find one that that works for you, I yeah. guess is what I'm trying to say. I mean, your NIV, your NLT, I like to read the NLT. A lot of people like the ESV. I like the ESV as well. Yeah. You know, if you really want to read the New King James Version, I guess you could. Um, you go for that. Yeah. A little Shakespearean, but. You're, al- you're allowed to enjoy some Shakespearean scripture. I think, too, like, kind of going along with, like, all of these things, it's important, too, to remember that even if we have the commentaries and even if we understand the context and even if everything is, like, in line, quote, unquote, like, it's still going to be an act of discipline. Like, you're not going to feel that magical moment of, like, oh, the heavens are opening up and, like, angels are descending and ascending and, like, all of these wonderful things. Like, it is a discipline and there will be days when you read and you're like, well... Okay, but like it's like storing up a savings account. It's like you're putting away a little at a time and you're gaining your knowledge and you're gaining your understanding of the Lord. And it's important to let that knowledge, that understanding inform our hearts and create this awe. So the more we know about someone, the more we're able to love them. And the more we read and know about God, it's going to be a steady, slow process that you might not always feel this magical like, oh, I feel peace every time. Like when you read about Jeremiah and the loincloth, you're not necessarily going to sit there and be like, wow, this is wonderful. Yeah. You may not always feel that, but your time will never be yes, wasted. Yes, Your time's yeah. never wasted. Yes, exactly. Like, it. it's going to take discipline, and it's something that you have to stick to, and the Lord is using that time, like, whether you can feel it or not. Um, just, no, it's, I think it's so easy for us to dis- get discouraged when we don't have that instant gratification, but the Lord is still moving, and um, it's important to just keep persisting. Yeah, I think it, what you're saying, and I really like what you're saying, Gabby, it's just relates to unmet expectations yes we expect that 10 20 30 minutes that we spend in the morning reading scripture to just be the greatest moment ever to completely fuel our day and everything's going to go right but in reality that 10 20 30 minutes makes you a little bit more tired as you go throughout maybe your morning as you start to get ready and then things go wrong at work and you're like why is this happening and then like you go home like someone's mad at something in your family and you're just like what is happening right now you know it may not seem like all that effort that you put in the mornings is being redeemed immediately but five six seven months from now you can come into contact with someone and just start talking to them and it's like man i just really don't understand the bible it's like oh well i've been reading that for the past five six seven months let me be able to tell you about it now you know, that's what we're saving up for. We're saving up for those moments where God is going to use those things in Scripture where we're able, like you said, Gabby, to have it instilled in our heart and mind already. 
Yeah, and I think the more you learn about Scripture, the more uh, amazing it is. Mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis has a quote yeah. uh, where it's like, man, the Bible is shallow enough for a toddler to play in, but it's deep enough mm-hmm. to drown an elephant. Mm-hmm. I love that quote. And there is just something about that that is just so true. Yeah. And I just look back... Um, you know, at notes that I've made in my Bible when I was a teenager and where I'm at now and Mm -hmm. things that I'm trying to understand and just like how cool a lot of stuff in scripture really is and these things that God Mm -hmm. has preserved. I mean, for example, like Solomon is a man who had everything. He was the richest man in the world. He was super successful at his job. He had literally everything the world could offer. Yet at the end of his life, you know, in Ecclesiastes, he says, you know, there's nothing that's worth having besides God. Mm -hmm. And then you look at the contrary of the story of Job, that God also mm. preserved is a man who had everything and had it all taken away from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He lost all of his family. He lost all of his possessions. He lost essentially his career. He became extremely sick. Um, and here's a man who lost everything only to draw the same conclusion that God is the only thing worth having. Yeah. And that the Lord has just preserved, you know, these stories for us, these, you know, I hear some people refer to him almost like social experiments He's preserved these things for us, for us to learn through and for us to still speak into our lives Mm -hmm. every day. And there's something about the richness of when you look at all of that and it finally culminates into, man, Jesus is the Messiah. Mm -hmm. Like he is the king that the kings couldn't be. He's the prophet, the prophet that the prophets couldn't be. He's the priest Mm -hmm. that the priest couldn't be. He is all of those things. He is the fulfillment of all of this. And he is the, he's the new and the better Adam. You know, he didn't screw up how Adam screwed up and he's finally undone what happened in the openings, the opening pages of Genesis and all of those things all culminating that Jesus is the pinnacle of all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, guys, just there's a lot of great resources out there that you can get a hold of. If you're like, Hey, I don't know if I can understand this history and things like that. It is a lifelong journey. Discipleship is a lifelong journey. You're always going to be learning more. God's always going to be revealing new things to you and new seasons of life um, that you're going to walk in, and that's okay, Uh, and that's really actually a good thing. It's a great thing. So, yeah, um, we've mentioned, like, a lot of great resources, so I just want to shout those out again. We talked about the Bible Project. Um, You guys can just Google them. They do have an app. It's called the Read Scripture app. Gabby mentioned that one. Mm -hmm. We talked about study Bibles. A lot of great study Bibles out there. Um, For you guys who are maybe looking for something a little more intense, uh, there is a book that we use in seminary called Grasping God's Word, uh, and that will help you understand more of the technical stuff of, like, how different literary genres work and how, you know, God God used different authors and different, you know, literary styles to communicate different things. Um, That's going to be a little, you know, a little tougher, a little more academic, uh, I'm reading a great book right now called The New Testament and Its World. It's by N.T. Wright. It just came out. Uh, it's about a 1,200-page book. <laughs> I'm only on about Ooh. page 200 of it, but it is really, really great, and it helps you understand uh, kind of the society, like what society would have been like for the world that Jesus uh, was in, you know, 2,000 years ago. Like, what are things that people valued? What was the economy like? What was society like? What was kind of happening in history at that point in time and all of these things that are kind of happening in the background of these stories that Jesus is talking about. Um, so that's just a few off the top Can of your head. throw out one too? Yeah, yeah. You guys throw out what you think. Um, Women of the Word by Jen Wilkin is amazing. Even if you're a guy, you should read it and put duct tape over the W-O and make it Men of the Word. Um, 
It is a great resource and it's actually something that started me. It like really put into perspective what the Bible is and it really shaped a lot of my thinking of why it's important to go to scripture alone um, and not use supplementary um, things during your quiet time or why you should understand the context. Super great, super easy read. She has a gift for taking really deep theological ideas and putting in them into layman's terms. So you're not like, what the heck is going on? Um, and it's just super convicting and it gives you practical steps at how to get into God's word. So that was something that I read that really helped me as a launch pad of like, Oh, this is how I can study the Bible. And I have grown to just understand so much more about scripture after learning how to study the Bible through that book. So that's a great resource too. Now, uh, my main one resource that I use is the Bible project, but um, there's also like good concordances. I'm trying to think of one. Is it like the blue letter concordance? Blue letter Bible? Blue letter, letter Bible. Bible. Yeah, that. I talked about that one a little bit. Yeah. yeah, that's probably if I really want some super in-depth about a particular passage, I always go to that online and read through that and it gives an excellent explanation for the history and what's all going on yeah concordances and dictionaries really what those do is words that are used in scripture it helps us understand how they would have uh, been expressed um, in the time that when they were first spoken kind of like what that would have meant kind of going back to what i was saying about you know what would this have meant to the original audience the people who first heard this you yeah. know 2000 years ago what would it have meant those those things help bring the narrative it helped bring the story to life when you get a better grasp of sort of what some of those words uh mean and i mean there are things uh for example one that is thrown out a lot is you know in english we have one word for love it is yeah. love uh in greek there are three different words for love um so it, when you when you realize that it helps you get a better understanding but uh, we are already on record for our longest podcast yet but so, honestly this is a good one to be our longest it's yeah. god's word so if you've made it this far congratulations gold give star yourself, for you give yourself a pat on the back yes gabby will send you the link to play the typing game if you made it this far. No, it was a CD-ROM. You had to like actually oh, put it man. in your computer. That's well, old school. Great. It's now very old school. everyone is disappointed. Oh, you all missed out. It was I a great childhood. Typing game. I wish... I actually... No, I probably don't have it. I don't know why I would. It was a million years ago. Well, guys, hey, hope you start reading your Bibles. If you got questions, you can email us, lya at libertylive.church. If there are some topics or subjects you guys want us to talk about, you can also email us in, lya at libertylive.church. You can also DM us on Instagram, slide in our DMs, at libertylya, for topics you want to talk about uh, or you want to hear talked about on the podcast. If not, hey, we love you guys. Y'all are amazing. We can't wait to watch you guys change the world. We love you, and we are out. Thanks for listening to the LYA podcast. Liberty Young Adults is a ministry of Liberty Live Church in Hampton Roads, Virginia. For more information, check out at Liberty LYA on Instagram, libertylive.church, or check out our Tuesday night feed, The Voyage Podcast. Have a great week.